This is a Federal News Network podcast. The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Off the Shelf gives a voice to commercial service and product companies selling in the federal market. Roger speaks to members and government officials about procurement policy, trends, innovations, and debate. Now your host, Roger Waldron. Welcome to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guests today are Laura Stanton. Laura is the Assistant Commissioner for the IT category at the Federal Acquisition Service. And she has two of her deputies here today. Keith Nakasoni is Deputy Assistant Commissioner for Acquisition Management within the IT category. And Alan Hill is the Acting Deputy Assistant Commissioner for Category Management within the IT category. Um, So first of all, guys, thank you for coming and welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Roger. We appreciate the opportunity to join you. Well, I'm looking forward to the conversation. Uh, the IT category is a huge part of uh, FAS's business line, and um, I think it had very successful 2020 overall in supporting customer agency missions. And why don't we start there, uh, Laura, and talk a little bit about or do a recap on last year, FY 2020, and how things went, and what are some of the markers that you'd like to share with the audience that were accomplished? So, Laura? Fantastic. Thanks, Roger. So I think all of us can agree that uh, FY20 has been an unusual year. GSA pivoted to telework back in the March timeframe, and we kept going. In the end, we facilitated over $30 billion in annual government spend throughout the year of FY20. And to us, this represents that our solutions and our programs are meeting the mission needs of the agencies and the acquisition workforces across the government. As part of that, we supported 98% of the federal agencies, and we also were able to generate more than $2 billion in savings and cost avoidance to the customer agencies, which includes ITC's programs, um, including the multiple awards schedule and the GWACs. Um, To get a little bit deeper in the numbers, the areas where we saw some really significant growth is our IT security and shared services category. They had the highest percentage of growth, and we saw the largest dollar value in the IT services category, which includes the GWACs and the IT services under mass. But we managed to do this at the same time that we also saw increased scores on both our customer loyalty surveys and our supplier relationship management surveys. So very pleased that sort of across the board, we've been working very well with the customer agencies and meeting their needs and also very focused on our industry partners and ensuring that we're able to connect with them. And I I want uh, Alan and Keith to be able to jump in here, but part of our successes were built on our COVID response and being able to support equipping the federal workforce with some of the widespread telework. There were needs for hardware, software, network access, security, and related services is all part of that. And then also... We continued on with the EIS transition. Cybersecurity through supply chain management has been been a very big part of our year. Uh, You'll hear more about cloud migration as well, as well as some of the work that we've done with emerging technologies. We also awarded and launched the Commercial Platforms Program as part of our FY20 accomplishments. Laura, I think you touched a little bit on just, you know, a focus on working very closely with your customers and you saw your customer satisfaction 
like scores go up. Is, you know, has that been a big focus over the last year? And, and, and I'm also just wondering if people are continuing to understand, you know, the value of the shared services model, whether it's the schedules program or the ITG WAX. Is, is that something that people are more conscious about, especially given the challenges operationally that folks have had over the last year, just your customers? Yeah, well, let me start with just sort of the response on the customer and then pass it over to Alan and Keith to chime in. Every year, GSA, well, FAST, does a customer loyalty survey. And we take that information and we do work through developing action plans to look at how we can better meet the needs of the customers and and listen to those responses that we've gotten from our customer and the feedback that they've given us. And so that is something that we take seriously and that we look to actively make sure that we're improving the customer experience for the agencies that work with us. So that is part of our our active responsibility. But let me pass it over to Alan and Keith to give them a chance to chime in on some of the other things. Thank you, Laura. I'll briefly talk about EIS and what's happened in FY20 and how we helped agencies in in this uh, journey. When Laura talks about our customer scores going up, uh, we really took a concerted effort with each of the agencies and not only just acquisition, but also helping them with the technical aspects. So we would do the scope reviews and look at their solicitation packages or what they put together, gave them both acquisition and technical advice on how to not only make it a better procurement, but also to get the types of modern type solutions they need. So to kind of give the numbers of where we're at in terms of EIS, we have almost nearly $14 billion in awards now on EIS. That's tremendous. On top of that, the agencies benefit from a tremendous amount of cost avoidance savings. For example, DOD's last report was about a 45% cost reduction slash savings that they've achieved using EIS. HHS and its award, uh, they estimate about $700 million. So doing exactly what we expected EIS and actually even more. We were in the anywhere between the 20 to 30 percentile in terms of savings. We're seeing a 10% and higher in over those savings that we initially projected. Uh, during COVID, we helped the agencies For example, uh, we had one agency needed some security capabilities in one month's time. And I know, Roger, you you can understand the procurement cycle and how long that can take. In one month's time, we rallied with that agency and got them an award of a task order for some critical security services. And that was us just getting in the trenches and working with them. So that's really some of the drivers that help the agencies and not only achieving uh, the transition and starting getting those awards on EIS, but also increasing the scores in those areas. Right now, we have approximately 202 solicitations that are planned, large agencies, but especially because they got a much longer path to go. 92 of the 100 uh, solicitations that are planned have gone through the scope review. Uh, we have 36 out of the 42 medium agencies that have gone through scope review. Uh, and uh, we actually are doing pretty well uh, with those large agencies and, and where they made a word. We're close to about 40% of the awards have been been uh, completed now. More that actually even after the fiscal year, this is as September 30th, uh, more awards have come through. 
I'll pass it over to Keith to add some additional context. Great. Thanks, Alan. You know, from an organization perspective, this past year has been very challenging, especially going virtual. And so one of the things that we learned through this process was, you know, GSA was able to respond because of the way the business systems and GSA IT has delivered in allowing us to work in a virtual environment. But also we were telework ready. So from a workforce development perspective, the human capital was trained to to operate in a virtual environment. Having that stage and ready to go really helped us to keep the portfolio moving and also support the mission requirements of the agencies. As we move forward, um, you know, we continue to learn more and more from, from the events that happen. But having the telework agreements in place, having the workforce trained, having the, uh, vert, uh, the mobility devices ready to go was all tested and proven that getting the workforce ready for the virtual environment was definitely a plus in the process. The other thing that um, uh, helped us to, through the process ha- has been over the past several years, we've been focused on category management, understanding of portfolio, and understanding from an IT modernization effort, the entire portfolio from hardware, software, services, solutions, et cetera, and getting that word out. And Roger, this is where the private and public engagement really helped us. Um, we've been in many discussions over the past several years and having those Um, engagement with our industry partners has definitely added some value to gain understanding of the portfolio and delivering IT acquisition solutions. So as we move forward, where these private public engagements have been 100% positive in in what we've managed to do as as far as communicating, collaborating, and and building the portfolio, Um, things like the mask, uh, the multiple award schedule consolidation efforts, and, and the ITG WACs. And we learn so much through those engagements. And I think as we continue on having these um, meaningful discussions and the back and forth has really moved us in the right direction. Right. Great, Keith. And you know what? We're already up on the first break, guys. So when we come back, you know, we'll just sum up uh, FY 2020. And then I want to turn to uh, Laura, to your priorities and your team's priorities for 2021, and we'll get into a deeper dive on that as well. So my guests today are Laura Stanton. She is the Assistant Commissioner for the IT category at the Federal Acquisition Service and GSA, Keith Nakasoni, Deputy Assistant Commissioner for Acquisition Management, and Alan Hill, he's the Acting Deputy Assistant Commissioner for Category Management within the IT category. I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guests today are Laura Stanton. Laura is the Assistant Commissioner for the IT category at the Federal Acquisition Service in GSA. Keith Nakasoni, Deputy Assistant Commissioner for Acquisition Management, uh, working for Laura. Uh, And Alan Hill, Acting Deputy Assistant Commissioner for Category Management within the IT category. And guys, um, the first segment we've we guys walked through lots of great successes and uh, just the momentum that the IT category has at FAS and supporting customer agency missions. Um, Laura, I just want to give you a chance to like sort of just sum it up where you where last year went and how you're positioned moving forward. And then I think we'll start talking about some of you, you know, we'll do a high level look at your priorities and then dive into some of those priorities in more detail. So Laura. Great. Thanks, Roger. Um, The way I would sum up last year is results. We were able to provide significant support to the federal agencies 
And we're also able to buy, really build a foundation to go forward into FY21. And some of the, most of the big initiatives, I think all of the big initiatives that we're going to talk about for FY21 had started already in FY20 for us to begin to build on that foundation. But going back to FY20, there, when I talk about results, it's seeing the numbers of agencies and the impact that we've been able to support the agencies through the $30 billion number that I cited earlier. It's seeing the increases in those customer loyalty scores and those supplier relationship management scores that tell me that we are on the right track in being able to partner with agencies and being able to partner with industry. We have uh, some big awards coming up this year. FY20 is a year where we have, we've already done one big award with DOS and the Defense Enterprise Office Solutions Program. And Alan will give a, provide a little bit more detail on that. But we also have the, are anticipating the STARS 3 and 2JIT coming up. We also are continuing to work in building out Polaris, which is our new small business GWAC. And we'll provide a little bit more, some more detail and also a call out to industry. We, this partnership is critical for us in being able to have industry's engagement on the development and ideation and creation of Polaris, as well as having the customer agencies is really critical for us as we go forward. Commercial platforms, has launched and we will continue to build that out as we go forward. We're also maturing our supply chain risk capabilities. And of course, the EIS transition will be continuing through FY21. Yeah, great. Hey, Alan, can you talk a little bit about, I think Laura mentioned you might talk a little bit about the DOS and what it is for our listeners. Yes, thank you, Roger. So uh, as Laura said, the Defense Office Enterprise Solutions Blanket Purchase Agreement, we recently awarded that. Uh, and the value of that uh, over the next 10 years is about $4.4 billion that we expect uh, and spend from the Department of Defense. Uh, what's great about it, it provides the capabilities and office automation, uh, collaboration tools, emails, file sharing, uh, the storage type needs that the DOD has been using, but not at the types of savings that they would like to have that this BPA is gonna to provide to them. Uh, and if you kind of think about in the old days of how we used to do email, file storage and things like that, you always had to worry about your file size uh, that you send in emails, your storage limitations, all those type of capabilities that are uh, uh, the restrictions we had back in the earlier days. What this provides is a lot more extensive storage capabilities and a lot more capability to collaborate in a more conducive environment. And considering what's happened with COVID, how uh, the DOD is gonna leverage, for example, using Teams. Uh, and we're expecting several task orders to be um, processed initially through our Region 4 uh, Acquisition Services, uh, Assistant Acquisition Services team. Those uh, awards uh, will happen over the next 30 to 45 days. And then we'll continue on working with the DOD to uh, bring together those savings that they're going to benefit out of using the DOSP EPA. Can you talk a little bit too about guys about um, you know where Laura? You mentioned a couple other things coming up like Stars Three and Two Gets. Where are those procurements and and how are things going? 
let me pass it over to uh, Keith and Alan to sort of provide a, a quick hit update on some of that. And then we can, I'd love to also talk about Polaris as well, Roger. Oh, absolutely. Don't worry. We're going to get to Polaris. Don't <laughs> <laughs> <No> worry. <laughs> Go ahead, Keith. Yeah, so so in regards to um, STARS-3, uh, we, we did receive the proposals. We're in, we're in that process now of evaluating the proposals, so that will continue on, and as we evolve around that, we're still hitting our milestones, so um, everything's going well in that, on that front for STARS-3. Um, it's still procurement sensitive, so I can't get into a lot of the details on, around that but um, as far as 2JIT, we're in the final stages as well. We're wrapping that up as well, and we hope to have an award soon on 2JIT, the second generation IT. And this is for the specific effort that's focused really on supply chain risk management with hardware software um, for the Air Force and government-wide, uh, anyone who chooses to use the uh, vehicle uh, but we definitely are using this as a foundation to learn more about supply chain risk management and also um, shore up that part of the effort. So as we move through that process, again, it's a learning process and we're going to kind of implement that change journey on what we're doing with cybersecurity and supply chain risk management. So, so the Air Force is like the foundational you know, customer agency for two JITs? Yes, yeah, they, they, they are our primary uh, user for that effort. And when you coordinate with them, is, did you talk about it being a government-wide potentially effort that other agencies could piggyback on it and be able to use it? I, I assume they must have been pretty open to that? or Absolutely. Uh, and again, Roger, a lot of the uh, requirements that were built into the blanket purchase agreement um, was the foundational requirements were based on the National Institute of Standards and Technology, the NIST 800-171, um, as well as the federal acquisition regulations. So as we think more about cybersecurity and supply chain, we are trying to leverage as much of the uh, standards that have been already developed and all we're doing is um, executing it through the acquisition vehicle and adding the tail end of compliance and checks. Great. We're all procurement geeks or whatever. So we all know what STARS is, but for the listening audience, can you just sort of describe what the STARS 3 is? Sure. The STARS 3 program is geared for our socioeconomic program, the 8A status, the small disadvantaged businesses that are under the Small Business Administration program. Uh, for uh, And one of the things that we deliver through STARS 3, uh, we're looking for emerging technologies. We're looking for um, service IT solutions that can deliver capability. Also that innovation thought, right, of bringing in technology in that accelerated process and gaining momentum in how to inject technology with the small business community as well and move that forward. So it's really geared to bringing on companies and also um, maximizing that competition within the, the um, socioeconomic program under the 8 a certification program. That sounds very familiar to me because I, when I think about were, were some of this lessons learned from like Alliant to the inclusion within the scope of emerging technologies was, you know, something that, you know, industry focused quite a bit on in Alliant too. Is that sort of something that you learned there and are applying it to, because it makes a lot of sense for a small business, especially. Absolutely. And I'll turn it over to Alan because he, he can talk about more of the technology front for STARS-3. Sure. Great. Alan? Great. And kind of piggyback on what Keith talked about, uh, 
the acquisition was streamlined. So we took a lot of the lessons learned. So we got a lot of positive feedback from the 8A companies that were doing the acquisition of how much easier it was to do uh, vice previous ones. And so uh, Keith's team and putting that package together deserves credit for making it easy on the small business to be able to, to uh, submit packages for that. But in terms of merging technologies, really want to focus on, as Roger, you pointed out, the focus on being able to access those companies that have those core competencies in emerging technology, you know, edge computing, artificial intelligence. It's a lot of these companies are the ones that really are kind of stepping out and, and they're in this niche area to be able to provide that value. And in fact, I, I was myself and one of my directors were briefed the CIO council and we we're actually talking about Polaris, but, uh, and how that's going to be offering that, but eight, eight stars is, is, Kind of the foundation of where that comes and there was a lot of interest in, in emerging type companies and stuff and be able to access those companies so we're looking forward to seeing that awarded and being able to provide that to the all the cios out there to be able to leverage those capabilities for those from those companies great and you know what that's a great segue there alan so the next segment we can start talking about polaris i told you we'd get to it laura but right now we do have to take uh, our next break, but when we come back, we'll start talking a little bit about Polaris and what that is and where it's headed. My guest today, Laura Stanton, she's Assistant Commissioner for the IT category at the Federal Acquisition Service in GSA. Keith Nakasone, Deputy Assistant Commissioner for Acquisition Management in the ITC. And Alan Hill, Acting Deputy Assistant Commissioner for Category Management within the IT category at FAS. I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guests today are Laura Stanton. Laura is the Assistant Commissioner for the IT category at the Federal Acquisition Service in GSA. Keith Nakasone is Deputy Assistant Commissioner for Acquisition Management within the IT category at FAS. And Alan Hill is the Acting Deputy Assistant Commissioner for Category Management uh, within the IT category at FAS. Um, I know we're going to talk about Polaris in this segment, uh, which I know is on everybody's radar screen. Um, you guys have been having some listening sessions and that sort of thing and, and you know, doing some you know, RFIs or whatever, seeking information from small businesses. But first, I just your overall strategy, Laura, is interesting. And we were talking on the break about you know, how you approach these things and sort of you know, trying to build around an anchor agency. Can you talk a little bit about that? And you know, I know Two Gits is a good example of that. It is. Tugit is representative of how we approach developing our blanket purchase agreements and other, other acquisition vehicles, which is really to, to work with an anchor tenant or anchor tenants, work to understand what the agency's needs are, how they buy the product, services, solutions, whatever might be within the scope of the initiative, and really make sure that we're designing something that's going to be usable to the agencies. The last thing we want to do is, is sort of assume that we know what the agencies need and then take a build and they will come approach towards it. Instead, we're looking at collaboration with industry. We're looking at collaboration with the customer agencies to understand those needs and use cases and ensure that what we're putting together is going to work for all of the stakeholders. And I think the work that we're doing on Polaris is a really good example of that. Polaris is going is a small business set aside multiple award GWAC that were for indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity contract. 
If you think about Polaris, its namesake is the guiding star. And we're looking for ways to innovate with this effort, and we're actively seeking customer agency input and industry input to make sure that we're going to be able to meet the needs of all stakeholders. And the idea is that this GWAC will not only guide small businesses through the federal market, but it'll also help GSA customer agencies with the acquisition of those IT services-based solutions that are so critical to their mission delivery. And it gives GSA a chance to improve our offerings as well. It's increasing the opportunities for HubZone and women-owned small businesses, as well as providing life cycle opportunities on GSA contracts for small businesses as they grow and mature. And let me just do a quick call out that now is a great time to take a look at the new small business, uh, women-owned small business federal contracting program regulations. Makes it easier for qualified small businesses to participate in the women-owned federal contracting program by improving the customer experience and simple, makes it easier for contracting officers as well. So just want to highlight those changes as we're um, to encourage people to take a look at those. But on the Polaris, let me pass it over to Alan to provide some detail about some of the research that we've already done to date on it. Alan? Thank you, Laura. So uh, one of the things that we did early on is uh, we hosted a industry engagement uh, webinar back in late August. We had close to 500 attendees, and that was important for us to kind of kick this off and what we were trying to achieve in, in making sure we got the feedback. We followed up with a, an RFI that we sent out, and we had um, 1,238 small businesses that responded to that. Uh, and actually, we also had 428 of those businesses were uh, women-owned small businesses, and uh, we had 233 hubs-owned small businesses. And that's important because we want to make it to where the, the contract in our portfolio, we address 8A companies, we address small businesses, we have large businesses, and we have services able to address also with, with the vets too. But we have area where uh, women-owned small businesses and hub zone is not really addressed throughout any of the contract vehicles available out there in government. And so we thought it was extremely important to target these areas because as we talked about in the previous segment, a lot of these companies bring the kind of capabilities in terms of emerging technologies. Uh, a lot of the new type of IT that's going to be rolling out over the next several years with as 5G develops because it's going to, with 5G, IoT, artificial intelligence, machine learning, a lot of these things. And so these companies will be able to look at to help CIOs further modernize the federal infrastructure. Thanks, Alan. So just a couple other sort of mechanical questions about it. This is a small business, um, you know, going to be a small business uh, IT GWAC moving forward. And is it, is it akin in the sense to Align 2 in the sense of, of what categories you're looking at? I know uh, women-owned small businesses is going to be part of the focus as well, but you know, standard small businesses as well. You do have the the Stars 8A GWAC. You have still have a Vets GWAC. So, are you focusing on those other categories for this one in particular right now, or is it, you know any small business you want to see take a stab at it? So the intent is is to uh, we're likely going to have three pools, and okay. what I mean pools. You have a small business pool, a woman-owned small business pool, and a hub zone pool. GWACs have been really good. 
they're high performing contract vehicles that help agents to do that. We wanted to tweak and add in those areas of the small uh, uh, emerging technologies, edge computing, um, a lot of the types of innovations, cybersecurity, for example, and, and kind of give a, an example. We had a, a company that actually used to support us that was an 8A company that outgrew its uh, 8A status. It, it went through the life cycle, but they focused on cybersecurity penetration testing. So they would be a perfect company to go into that small business area because that's their competency and they provide that kind. And CIOs made it very clear in our, our discussions yesterday, they want to be able to get to the companies that that is really what their core competency is. And Keith could probably talk about some of the on-ramp, off-ramp type strategy and how we're going to help synergy between the GWACs. Yeah, so this is all, all great uh, things that we're doing with Polaris, but I, I did want to address some of the um, the strategies in and around Polaris. When we talk about, you know, we've learned a lot through Stars Three. So we're, some of the lessons learned that we um, that we're going to also apply to Polaris is the the use of templates, right? Um, we're going to use um, the innovative approach to injecting. How can we get through the process a little bit easier. So we're talking about leveraging section 876, you know, not pricing at the uh, at the contract level, but the prices will be at the order level. And we're also looking at the opportunity of and in the stages of market research on the pricing tools that GSA can provide to its um, customer agencies. Um, and also, as we move forward, the injection of emerging technologies as well. And as you stated, 5G is at the uh, forefront of changing some of the dynamics and the acceleration process. We're looking at potentially not having a contract ceiling with this because of the issues we had and we've learned from past experience. So there's a lot of uh, things that we're working through to ensure that we build a foundation that's strong agile, flexible, so that we can move uh, across time. The other thing is uh, I wanted to highlight that, as Alan stated, you know, 428 uh, women-owned small business and 253 hub zone that was uh, that showed interest in Polaris. That is huge because what we're seeing is a industry change and adding more uh, to the vendor pool in that respect, right? The small businesses are growing, but we, we see additional growth there within the IT portfolio. So that's all great news. Um, and as, as we talk about the GWAC life cycle, we're looking at transition in, transition out from you know, things like the 8A program and when they move into the small business and then eventually up to the large. So under our new uh, thought process, we're also looking at that transition in and transition out language so that we have a ramp on ramp off process so that there is no break and there is consistency through our acquisition life cycle. So we're taking a very hard look at how we can ensure progression through the process within the IT portfolio so that we can have that continued uh, operations uh, from an acquisition perspective. Keith, we yes. do have to, we're up on the break. So okay. when we come back, we can continue this discussion. I want, I have a couple sort of follow-on questions, you know, just whether there's a role for Section 80, 876, you know, competition at the task order for this procurement. And also I know um, supply chain risk and CMMC, for example, are some things that are potentially incorporated in this. And I'll talk to Laura about that a bit as well. 
so when we get back, my guest today are Laura Stan. She's Assistant Commissioner for the IT category at uh, the Federal Acquisition Service and GSA. Keith Nakasone, Deputy Assistant Commissioner for Acquisition Management. And Alan Hill, Acting Deputy Assistant Commissioner for Category Management, both from IT category at FAS. I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Walder. My guests today are Laura Stanton. Laura is the Assistant Commissioner for the IT category at the Federal Acquisition Service in GSA. Keith Nakasone is Deputy Assistant Commissioner for Acquisition Management within the IT category at FAS. And Alan Hill, Acting Deputy Assistant Commissioner for Category Management within the IT category at FAS. And um, last segment, Keith, you were finishing up on you know, the Polaris or some additional thoughts on Polaris and where it's going and what, how it looks. And the one question I did sort of tease out or it's, you know, it's a couple different things we're going to talk about, but, you know, are you guys looking at as you're, you know, getting input from industry and customers looking at potentially using section 876 and the, you know, the ability to not evaluate price at the contract level and rather focus at competition at the task order level. Right, Roger. And and that's where we're um, having the engagement and discussion, but we see a lot of interest from industry to move in that direction. So we are taking that under consideration and working through that process at this time. We're definitely leveraging industry input on um, that front for Section 876. All right, right. That sounds good. And Laura, I know supply chain risk is something that you mentioned in the very first segment as a big um, focus of the IT category and part and parcel of that is CMMC. And I know Polaris, I think there's potential thought of including requirements, whether they're implemented at the task order level, depending on the customer or not, um, and focusing it in that direction. But do you just want to talk about, so CMMC a little bit, what your guys' thoughts on how you're trying to address that for your biggest customer, DOD, and then just sort of supply chain risk generally. Right. Well, we're certainly planning for the future. And with CMMC rolling out at DOD, we are making sure that our new contract vehicles are positioned to be able to support that. And those requirements were included or it was included within the scope of the STARS-3 RFP. We're looking to do the same thing in the Polaris RFP when we reach that point. And what that really means is, is that those requirements can be within scope at the task order level. And Keith will provide a little bit more detail on that and some observations on CMMC. Great. Thanks, Laura. So when we look at um, cybersecurity uh, maturity model certification and we look at the supply chain risk management, the foundational approach, again, I go back to the federal acquisition regulations, the Defense Federal Acquisition Regulations, and the um, uh, National Institute of Standards and Technology. So as we take all of those um, standards that have already been developed and we look at CMMC, what we're trying to um, do is forward lean and look at how we can potentially leverage the program itself that has been built by the Department of Defense, but also have it within scope of our GWACs. And the reason why is because we see this uptick in the need for cybersecurity and for supply chain risk management, because the two are 
definitely important and at the forefront of everything that we're doing, especially as, as we've seen through the National Defense Authorization Act, Section 889, prohibition of telecommunications equipment and video surveillance cameras. We have to be concerned about this and there, we can't ignore it from an IT category perspective. So what we're doing is we're taking the change journey approach, the agile approach to embed the language within the contract. And at the order level, we're going to be able to structure the order at the different levels within the CMMC program as dictated by the customer agency. And so that's how we plan to roll with um, the CMMC and supply chain risk management efforts that we have through our acquisition solutions. Uh, Keith, I just to follow up real quick. So your dialogues with um, not just customer agencies, but with industry around these things, sort of what, what's your impression of industries? approach, response, reaction to what, what you guys are looking at with regard to supply chain? From a supply chain perspective, I think what, um, you know, a lot of the collaboration that we've been getting is that everybody for, or majority of the partners really understand the education and awareness that we're bringing to the table and how important supply chain, especially through what we learned over the past year um, and, and looking at how parts, components, and products, and IT solutions are coming through our portfolio. And we did see that huge uptick in awards against the multiple award schedule and the ITG WAX. So we take this very seriously, and we want to continue to evolve it over time. And I believe our industry partners are doing the same and, and feel the same way as, as far as cyber hygiene and cybersecurity and supply chain risk management, because it is, it is our um, number one thing that we have to uh, consider when we're doing the IT modernization and infrastructure movement. Right. And I guess part of that too, I guess, would be, you know, when you start to stop, think about artificial intelligence and its role in that. And, you know, so I, I kind of want to, you know, turn to, to talking about what you guys are thinking, future forward thinking. You have about, you know, three minutes left or so. Talk about artificial intelligence, it's, uh, robotic process automation, things that I know GSA has been talking more and more about. Um, Laura? Yeah, we've been doing um, the artificial intelligence is something that we're looking at how do we, we roll out both internally and what, we op what options, you know, how, do, how can we improve the work of the acquisition workforce using some of those capabilities. And Keith was key on a recent uh, challenge on end user licensing agreements to speed up some of the more tedious work around the review and identification of, of terms and conditions and having a chance to go through those quickly. But we're also looking at how do we help our customer agencies roll out with artificial intelligence and support some of their needs. And I know Alan is on point to talk a little bit about some of that. Alan? Great. So uh, part, part of the things that are driving in terms of AI is, is we took a, the executive order 13859, looked at it, what was it asking for? And I'll quote from it, AI promises to drive the, the US economy, enhance our economic and national security and improve our quality of life. And there were five pillars that was for the federal government to uh, focus on on AI, invest in AI research and development, unleash AI resources, uh, remove barriers to uh, AI innovation, train an AI-ready workforce, and promote the international environment that is supportive of the American AI initiative and in, in, in responsible use. Uh, so some of the things that we're, we're working on 
is one of the acquisition side of that ethics that goes along with AI and making sure that uh, that uh, when as we because AI is a, a powerful tool in in our capability that is be able to leverage. In uh, so switching over to IT security, for example, uh, we have a lot of things that we still do manual in cybersecurity, and our and our growth in terms of spend associated with uh, security has gone from 15 billion, approximately 15 billion in 2008, to uh, uh, hitting over in 21. Uh, we're expecting to go to about 19 billion. That's a lot of of it, and it. Uh, money being spent on cybersecurity. So we need to leverage artificial intelligence to help improve our cybersecurity posture and do a lot of the things that we do manually and automate them. And in addition, AI has become a lot cheaper than what it was in the earlier days. And so we have to be concerned and focus on our adversaries that are going to try to take our technologies and penetrate our, our information and capture our data. So we want to make sure that the contract vehicles we put in place are uh, providing those type of innovative capabilities so the federal government can do what that executive order intends out of it. Keith, if you want to add anything? Uh, just uh, from an acquisition front is the, uh, you know, Laura talked about the end user licensing agreement. We use the process for challenge.gov where we challenge industry to help us with a project to identify how could we potentially use it to um, uh, accelerate the review process of the end user end user licensing agreements. And we show great promise with leveraging um, AI ML through that process. We learned a, a, a lot through that extra, uh, through that challenge. So we're going to continue that effort. Um, and this is not only within ITC, but it's also with our uh, GSA uh, CTO's office that is helping us through this process, leveraging AI and ML. That's great. And, and we got about a minute left, Laura. So I want to give you the last word. Um, IT category management, Category had a great year last year. It sounds like you have a great year uh, lined up for this year, moving forward, supporting customer agency missions. Um, any final thoughts? Um, absolutely. As everything that we've covered today, I think what it highlights is how much there is going on in the IT category, how much we are work, doing that outreach to work with our customer base, and also all the engagement that we need from everyone else to do this well. And so... I'm just really looking forward to being able to continue building out on Polaris on some of the other initiatives and continuing to expand our the work that we're doing across the government. Right. Well, thank you, Laura. And uh, Keith, thank you so much. Alan, thank you for all being on the show. I really appreciate it. I want to thank my guest, Laura Stanton. She's Assistant Commissioner for the IT Category at the Federal Acquisition Service in GSA. Keith Nakasoni, Deputy Assistant Commissioner for Acquisition Management the IT category at GSA, and Alan Hill, Acting Deputy Assistant Commissioner for Category Management within the ITC. I'm Roger Waldron, and you've been listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Tune in Tuesday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. 
Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.